Tabletop wargaming in the 90s, the difference between strategy and tactics, macromanaging and micromanaging for the uninitiated, and how to rise up lights in Australia. I'm the Wellred Mage and this is Magecast. In the grim darkness of the near future, there is only Magecast, your high fantasy of a podcast hosted by yours truly. This episode, we're gathering the gits and gobos together for a bit of the old ultraviolence. That's right, Warhammer Fantasy Battle, which I hear goes by a different name these days. Total War Warhammer 2 is laid before us like a detailed map of mountains, oceans, plains, wastelands, jungles, and deserts, pocked with armies led by heroic generals, swarms of skinks, glittering elves, shambling orcs, and the restless undead. With me from across the sea is Australian podcaster and journalist Kale Adam, who brings to the table a wealth of strategic, tactical, and historical knowledge that can help shed some light on what is, admittedly, a rather difficult game and game series to get into. Hold on to your hats. You're not too stupid to play Total War, even if it seems to try really hard to make you feel that way. Magecast is the podcast for the lonely, for those who miss the simple pleasure of a shared dialogue. Magecast is the podcast for conversationalists in a world where we've already stopped listening to each other. You can help support Magecast by visiting patreon.com forward slash the pixels, where episodes are offered in early access before going live for the public. You can learn more at thepixels.com, that's the-pixels.com, or find me on Twitter and Twitch at the Red Mage. Finally, don't forget to check out my latest concept, Gamelogica, exploring video games, myth, spirituality, and religion. Links in the description. Now, let's start the show. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Moses, a.k.a. the Well-Read Mage. As you can tell, I'm sick again. Again, the hand of Nurgle reached out from chaos and, and touched my sinuses. So here I am again with a bassy tone. Uh, but you know what? The world is not as big. It is a small world after all. Here from all the way across the world is uh, someone I have not really talked with for uh, for five years, all the way from Australia, and also sick, coincidentally, uh, is Kale Adam, podcaster and journalist. How are you, Kale? I'm fantastic. Thank you, Moses. Thank you for having me here. Yes, I am also sick, so we can, we can commiserate <laughs> together. Uh, yes. What a time to be alive. <laughs> yes. A pox upon us, apparently. Uh, I, w- I feel like I was just sick on an episode like a couple episodes ago, and here I am. And lo and behold, having a, a child in kindergarten will do it, I guess. This, so, is, uh, this is a thing. This is a thing. It certainly is. So uh, there's a lot to unpack here, Kale. Um, you're, f- number one, can I extend to you a hearty g'day? Is that is that appropriate? G'day? Yes, you can. <laughs> yes, I should. I should let you know up front that all the Australians, we all got together and decided that I am fit to speak on behalf of all of them. So if you have any sweeping generalizations that you want to make, <laughs> I am qualified. In fact, I'm the only one that could do it. So yes, awesome. it is. G'day. I just have one question. <laughs> yes, one question, sir. Uh, do you play that one song? Uh, from men at work like all the time just traveling in a fried out combi it's funny because we definitely used to like sing that in music class like in high school yeah that was (laughs) it's definitely a weird 
a weird one that that, that is it in like a patriotic sense did you say like no i guess it's a little bit you know we're of a similar age i, I guess it's a little bit older than us uh-huh. that, that would be yeah. like kind of something my dad and his friends would probably have been into okay um it's a it's a it's a cool place australia it's not uh so nightmarish as uh, americans especially <laughs> think um right where i live i live on the sunshine coast in a suburb okay. called sunshine beach it's very sunny uh but <laughs> Go figure. we we kind of like to think of it it's in queensland which is kind of like upside down florida uh it's crazy here <laughs> okay it's really hot uh steve owen the crocodile hunter he's from this area uh his zoo okay dearly departed but uh yeah you know, yeah so Rest it's in peace. but you know it's not like koalas jumping out of trees and attacking people it's mostly like strangling normal. you with okay yeah right. well that's good to know yeah i've never been uh always wanted to visit australia always wanted to visit new zealand uh, since Lord of the Rings, of course, um, of course, just you know, like every nerd, uh, <laughs> have never been there. Maybe the closest that I've been there is Hawaii. All um, right, okay, yeah, but uh, still a long way uh, away. <laughs> it is a long way. You can't swim it. So no, that's right. I- I've been to America. Uh, I've okay went to San Francisco. My older brother lives in New York. Uh, and I should apologize. I uh, I assumed your location. Oh, just because you know, I assumed. Every American I speak to either lives on the east or west coast, and you don't live on either, <laughs> do you? <laughs> well, you know, you missed me by a year. I, I was on the west coast. I grew up in, in Hawaii. I w- lived in California for a, a length of time uh, and just recently moved to Texas last year. Right. So, and how is uh, that? Good guess. It's, uh, it's, it's good. You know, I'm down here near Houston. Houston reminds me a lot of Honolulu, uh, just a very diverse city. Uh, we just went to a, a Chinese market today and enjoyed a lot of import foods. Um, there's just there's a lot of I'm a, I'm a foodie. There's a lot of great great food down here. So um, so yeah, it's been good. It's been good so far. Um, I don't know if it's as sunny as Australia, but uh, and the Sunshine Coast, but it is sunny. <laughs> let me tell you, it's I guess the end of winter here, and it's still like you know 16, 17 degrees celsius oh i don't know how yes. that translates so it's nah, like i don't know either yeah. i slept through that class in high school yeah it's a tough one so. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we have computers for so you are uh number one host you told me number one that's co-host right number one on yep. <laughs> the number one australian playstation podcast that's long right. live play long live play how long have you been doing that for uh, a bit over a year i do that with my buddy Govinda. Um, yeah, weekly PlayStation show. We just talk news, you know, try and avoid those uh, in-jokes, although they, they sneak in. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's your buddy. You got to do what you got Yeah, do. look, it's <laughs> it's a fun time. Um, yeah. And yeah, we just kind of grapple with the fact that neither of us finish video games anymore, and we try and play everything, but we're getting older, and it's, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a good yeah. fun time. <laughs> I feel that not finishing games anymore, <laughs> buying more games than ever, but finishing oh, games. And we're going to talk about it too. But like, my problem is I just, I get sucked into strategy games. Like I picked up a uh, rim world oh, yeah. uh-huh. and I've just been playing that all weekend. Like, 
Yeah. And there is no end. <laughs> there is no end. It's just No. Yeah. Yeah. I uh yeah, I I I I've been back in the game that we're going to talk about. Um my my cross to bear is farming sims. Oh. So, you would love Rimworld. Um, <laughs> oh, I would. Let me just open a tab for that and then uh, play some of that. Um yeah, so but uh the strategy games again, you know, there's so much uh depth there. Uh, and you can go on forever. There's so much time I could spend in, in games like these. Um, so uh, you told me a, a cute little bit here earlier. I'm a, I wanted to make sure we captured it on recording. Uh, your your podcast tagline on your Twitter profile says number one Australian pod PlayStation podcast. That's right. But you said that's not <laughs> the same thing as being the number one PlayStation podcast in Australia. No, no, no. If that <laughs> if that's the uh, the metric, then no, we are not the number one. Uh, no, <laughs> because then all the American podcasts just destroy us handily. <laughs> <laughs> To go back into into our history, it has been a real long time since we've chatted. Um, earlier, uh, you figured out it's been five years. Um, my time flies. Yeah, that's right. I was, I was, I had my own little blog uh, that I was trying mm-hmm. to, you know, get out there. And you and I crossed paths in the the blogosphere. Um, uh, you very kindly uh, published one of my articles. Uh, which I believe was about Red Dead Redemption 2 and my grandpa who had just passed away. Yes. (laughs) Yes. A very dear article. Yeah. I I maintain it's still one of the better things I've ever written, which is, I don't know what that says about my skills expanding in the years since. (laughs) Well, hang on though. I mean, like thematically though, I mean to, let me, let me come to your defense here. Um, there's a lot of clinical writing, I think, in in our category of writing. Yeah. Um. There's a lot of clinical writing that's reporting or just you know clarification on gameplay or, uh, you know, interviews and things like that could be really factual. Um. I love personally seeing, uh, that human touch. You know, either whether that's a review or not, or just sharing memories like that. I thought it. Yeah, I thought it was a very dear article. So oh, thank uh, you. I was happy to publish it. Definitely. Yeah, no, it was great. And I'm sorry I didn't write more for you. I just. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> yeah. We sort of went on different paths there. I believe I started with Twinfinite pretty soon after that. And that became fairly all consuming for a while there. Yeah. So you've written for Twinfinite, uh, IGN. Yeah. And Push Square. Yeah. Push Square is the latest one. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, that's my main gig these days and Twinfinite and IGN, not so much. I wrote a couple of articles for them. <laughs> okay. And you've done, you do primarily, uh, news reporting. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I write news for push square. Uh, that's like my main deal these days, but I still kind of consider myself a features writer, although I don't really write features anymore. It's quite a strange shift. Uh, mm. and and guides, guides are the bread and butter. Um, I was telling you before, but this is fairly new to me. I'm a full-time writer now and been awesome. trying to like struggle to do that for several years, but finally made the jump about two months ago, which was super scary to quit my awesome stable day job and write about hey, yeah. video games on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I mean, congratulations on that. We're like, we were saying earlier, 
Um, it's difficult to find paid writing gigs. Yes. Um, especially ones that don't pay you beans for per yes. article, you know? Yeah, I've so, been there. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's so hard. I was talking to, like, you know, a family friend the other day, like, young kid, 15 years old, mm-hmm. and he's like, I want to do what you do. I want to play video games. I was just like, don't. <laughs> you have your whole <laughs> life ahead of you. Just do yeah. anything else. Uh, yeah, that's funny. No. I, every once in a while, my kid goes, my daddy plays video games all day. Yeah. And I was like, I mean, I it's research, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you try, like, Oh, explain that I, I play less video games than ever now that's the great right. irony of it no it's... that's true yeah i mean you're talking about them i appreciate that you know we can be so far away from each other but still have a lot of these kindred experiences yeah um, it's, it, it is. is difficult yeah i mean when you're you when you're a content creator that really becomes the core focus it's not really just playing video games i don't know how some people breeze through video games really quick and then they're already producing, you know, podcasts and they're producing articles and all, all manner of things. I really just cannot get through it the, that quickly. Yeah, it's 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 a pretty vicious beast sometimes. I kind of ran into that recently with um, uh, Monster Hunter Rise on PC, which is like it's it's quite a. Uh, the whole th- it's a whole thing but i had to beat the original like the base game to get to rise to review it and then also start pumping out guides like all in time for launch and it was a big two weeks it took me two weeks and like yeah a hundred hours and yeah it can it stops being fun at a certain point <laughs> even yeah. if the game now, is, that is a beefy game yeah oh it's yeah. just i yeah that was my own fault um just forgot how long that base game is and you've got to beat it before you can access the new stuff Mm. and yeah so that one really that was a few sleepless nights yeah i can imagine i it is difficult it's it is work i mean there's a way in which playing video games becomes work definitely and that changes a lot of the dynamic of it for sure uh, it's hard like i come from a pretty working class background i've worked in like warehouses the last few years so i i still kind of like I struggle to call it real work. Like, you know, it's uh-huh. like, <laughs> I've certainly never hurt myself covering a video game, but like, yeah, it, it's, it's, there's a time factor that you can't, um, th- there is no getting around. Like, yeah, that those hundred hours have got to come from somewhere. And usually it right. means, uh, depriving relationships or, you know, yeah. sleep. Uh, right. And that, and you could see how that could hurt eventually, you know, yeah. uh, sleep deprivation, you know, can, can cause all manner of issues and then relationships. Hopefully that doesn't impact everything. It's a, it's a struggle, I think too, because there's less, um, like your, your, your own boss, you know, in a lot of ways, yeah. as far as your schedule goes, um, trying to manage my day where I'm trying to focus on my kid, trying to focus on this, trying to handle something for the website, trying to handle something for the podcast, doing promotional work, all kinds of things like that. Um, it's like whenever something pops in my head, I'm like, if I need, I need to do this now. And if I don't, then it's all over. 
Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah, all over. Forget about it. I suppose yeah. I got a little mortal in there, but I should say this is my dream job and I've worked a long time to get here. So I'm very happy. Oh, it's absolutely. Just... <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. And like, there's going to be people listening who are like, look at these two schmucks talking about like, oh, how sad it is to play video games. Yeah. Hey, it's great. It's great. Just realistically, um, <laughs> you know, if you, I think if you take any fun thing and do that for a living, um, it could still be fun, but it's also work at the same time. You That's know, it. You've still got to get up, get out of bed every morning. And uh... right, unless you have a switch or a Steam Deck. Speaking of uh, work, <laughs> yeah, <I'll better> get, <laughs> the get game down we're to about it. to talk about here, uh, Magecast episode eighty-seven, entitled Jurassic World of Warcraft. We are talking about. Total War Warhammer 2, which was developed by Creative Assembly and published by Sega in 2017 (laughs) for Windows. Um, Now, this is the work reference. Not that podcasting is work. It kind of is. Uh, I really enjoy it. Um, But the game is work, kind of, uh, the way that I think of it. All games are work is a theory that I've that i've uh brought up on this show before okay i think that all games are work i mean all games are like hey you sit down push these buttons in this order and finish these tasks and when you're done i will give you a, the end screen and then you can thank me for it you know so it's like you're being rewarded for digital tasks that you complete that's essentially a video game uh we just mask it over with graphics and story and characters um but you know the guy is asking you to bring 10 mushrooms to the forest so mm. he can give you 10 gil. That's work, man. That's work. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Total War Warhammer 2, though, I think, which at this point, I'm going to call it Warhammer 2. Yeah. Because that title is a little. You'll a little go redundant. insane otherwise. Right. It's... Yeah. Total War Warhammer 2. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Warhammer 2 is, I think, a game that you have to work to appreciate. Um. There's a there's a comment here that I wanted to shout out. Not really something that I think anybody expected to be shouted out for, but uh, To Tansua on Twitter said plainly, "Don't know anything about this one," uh, and that one statement encapsulates two weeks worth of trying to generate discussion uh, ahead of our discussion. Um, as you folks know, listening, this is a show that's really guided and shaped by the community, uh, by the, the questions and comments that community members ask, uh, or even that random people that I never really talk with ask. That's awesome too. But this is a game that not a lot of people I know, or not, not a lot of people in my sphere even, um, have played and, and know anything about. So I think really Kale, we're going to be talking to people who, uh, who have never played this, uh, who may be considering trying it for the first time. Uh, or who are listening are like, I hate everything about this game next episode. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully we can be entertaining for them. Uh, as the Kai's said, all's fair and love hammer and Warhammer, which I almost used as the title for this episode. I That's like great. that. I just, yeah, it's good. It's good. The Kai's is excellent at coming up with those, um, <laughs> spoilers ahead. Okay. So again, not a lot of people familiar with this title. Uh, we need to talk spoilers, but we're not really going to talk story too much. I think on this, it has a story. It's there. It, um, it is. I, I was like, 
I don't even know if there are spoilers. Are there like there's there's there's, there's the Skaven and the Vortex, right? Or the Comet, right? Oh, uh, I, I see what you mean. Yeah, like sort of the way the campaign ends. Yeah. 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 Okay. That is fair. There's that. And then, I mean, like, that's a fun little, like, oh, you know, kind of thing. Uh, and there's <laughs> little story tidbits for each of the Vortex campaign factions. Um, but yeah, I don't think, you know, we're going to get too into the, the into the, the weeds on that. Yeah. 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 Um, but opening facts, mage facts to, to kind of give some background information on this game. Uh, Total War Warhammer 2 is based on the game's workshop property known as Warhammer or Warhammer Fantasy or Age of Sigmar. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> A tabletop war game involving miniatures and models that serves as the sequel, Age of Sigmar does, serves as the sequel to Warhammer Fantasy Battle, as it used to be called. Now, actually, I do want to talk to you about the uh the tabletop war game here yeah have you played i don't even know what we want to call it at this point have you played warhammer whether that be warhammer fantasy fantasy battle age of sigmar it's it's kind of weird like i was obsessed with this as a young deeply nerdy teen uh okay (laughs) like the, the models like collecting them and the thing is, they were so expensive, I could never afford to put together a decent army. Um, yeah. So what I would do instead was I would just buy all the different army books, which were like these incredible lore compendiums for each of the factions. And I had all of them, and I just I loved wow. it. Um, so I think I only ever actually managed to play like a game or two, but I read the books like an insane person. Like I would read the rules over and over and over again and... Uh, yeah, so pretty familiar with it, but like I wasn't in the games workshop stores with the real nerds, like playing on the cool, the cool <laughs> <Okay>. uh, <laughs> maps. I got you. Um, so have you had a chance to, to experience both uh, Warhammer and Warhammer 40k? Uh, so 40k less so, but again, I, I love the setting. Um, like I have dozens of 40k novels um i play a lot of 40k games uh yeah never played the tabletop but again like i'm looking at my i own the latest rule book and like the imperial guard codex and you know i love space marines and stuff it's yeah it's so funny because it's like when you really look at it it's like it seems so generic like mm-hmm. what a space marine is, what a space orc is, but when you get into it, like you know, deep into like the ultramarine lore or whatever, like and the gene seed and yeah, bolt guns and stuff, it's kind of awesome. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's like I, I totally get that. Um, what was it Shadewing uh, mentioned that the setting never really appealed. Uh, and I totally get that. I like at face value, like at this, it was like, okay, this is just another, you know, high fantasy or it's just another, you know, sci-fi thing. But then you get into some of the lore and like freaking like Warhammer 40k is like the Roman empire and like early church history, like smashed into like this crazy, you know, in the grim darkness of the far future, there is only war. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's intense stuff. 
and it, I remember pouring over the the codexes codices as well. Um, and they're just full of of delicious lore and storytelling. And the artwork, like there's so much. Oh yeah, yeah, like just full double page battle scenes, and yeah, it's it's so good. It's like my favorite novels now are like um like the grim dark fantasy genre. That's where that comes from, like the grim dark far future where there is only war. Like that's where they got the title from. It's like it's <laughs> created old genre. Yeah, it's and it's surprisingly good. Yeah, there is a there is an element of of grim dark where I think uh some people can be like, well that's a little cringy. Yeah. Uh, and it's perhaps, a, perhaps a fine line. <laughs> it is a fine line, yeah. Uh, the thing to note is that Games Workshop's been telling these stories for upwards of thirty years. Yeah. Um, so it's been a it's been a a a universe that's constantly been kind of in upheaval, constantly being told in new ways. Um, what uh, I want to ask you when you when you did you know have a chance to uh, you mentioned that you did have a chance to play the game. Yeah, just a couple of times. Um, okay. Awesome. What army? Uh, Empire. Empire. Yeah. Summon always. the Elector Counts. That's right. I, I loved <laughs> my uh, Empire army. I think I managed to get about 2,000 points together. Okay. Um, never fully painted them all, though. I was that guy. Nobody has, yeah. <laughs> yeah, turned up with like a half-painted army, and off we went. <laughs> it's... Uh, just quickly, though, we should touch on the travesty that is the Age of Sigma. Please do, yes. So I, I don't really know all the facts, but at a certain point, um, Games Workshop, I believe the reason was they couldn't, like, you know, this is a fantasy game, there's elves and orcs and whatever. They wanted to have their own, like, trademarked versions of those things, so they discontinued the setting we're about to talk about, and now it's only Age of Sigma, like... They're not high elves anymore. They're like the Aldar or something. It's like some yeah. They changed the names of them, right? It's... Like the dark the dark elves are Druki now, right? Uh yeah. Actually, I think that's what they were called in their own language. Okay, <laughs> but yeah, it's a whole thing. It's like this this game that we're talking about in this series. It's kind of like the last vestiges of the good old Warhammer fantasy setting now this age of sigma thing is so terrible uh and that's all you can get these days like that's that's it which you could you could still play like i think when i was playing the tabletop game i think i was on the third edition of the game okay and eventually they're like well here's fourth edition here's fifth edition i was like screw you i'm not buying you war book like and like learn the rules all over again you know so we just stuck with playing the same edition of the game which you can, uh, it's always kind of unbalanced because different armies will get, you know, a new codex and then some armies will be like, oh, we'll get around to it. And they never do. Yeah. And so you've got armies that are really outdated with their rules and then others, the new one comes out and it's always broken, you know, it's super OP. It's fascinating because that situation is happening in the Total War Warhammer games right now. Like the older mm. factions are really need a revamp and uh, like the... We'll get into it when we get there. Uh, but just quickly, what uh, faction did you play tabletop? So um, I actually encountered Warhammer 40k first. Okay. Uh, 
This is this is back in Hawaii in the mid '90s. Must have been uh, about '95 because I was still playing Super Nintendo. This is a long time ago. Mm. Now. And up the street from us, uh, a friend took us to a uh, to an RC store. So the guy, you know, he just had like remote control everything. There's zeppelins, cars, and planes. And on Friday nights, they he would get together with his friends and they would set up a table and play this game. And so I remember going and watching once and just basically watching these adults argue about measurements (laughs) and dice and like, like he would, he would remeasure everything that like his enemy measured. He was like, no, 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 no. This is six inches off, you know, or six centimeters off. Uh, And, uh, (laughs) and I was like, is this a game? Like, what are they playing? But the thing is, it looked so cool. That's it. (laughs) <laughs> the coolness factor was off the charts. I think for the- me, there was a real, like, yeah, I probably spent a year or two trying to build this army, reading about it obsessively every day. And then I finally got there and it was a little disappointing because you're like, first of all, these matches, battles can go for like six to 10 hours. Oh, yeah. And it's Especially like. Especially if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, and there's so much like yeah litigation that needs to go down, and it's <laughs> yeah. like it's crazy. But yeah, it's a little little bit where the the imagination doesn't really live up to the reality <laughs> in some way. Yeah, yeah. So it, it took a long time to get into it because I mean I can appreciate you know the the prices when you mentioned the pricing of these things it was like debilitatingly expensive yeah uh especially then because this is before they were doing the big plastic sets for a lot of the larger creatures for a lot of the the base uh units like your infantry and stuff like that and like an idiot i went and chose uh the tyranids oh of course Um, of course the one of with course. all the big uh, monsters. Yes, all the big monsters and uh, and all the the swarms. Swarms means you buy a lot of models. Yeah. At the time, they had the the termagants and the hormagants. Oh, the termagants were plastic. The hormagants, which are like little zergling swarm type things, um, and obviously the StarCraft references were not lost. Um, well, I, I don't think StarCraft was out in '95. I don't know. Anyway. Um, the the zergling uh units you could only buy in like packs of two and they were pewter and they were so expensive to form like an entire swarm not to mention pewter being heavy they just would kind of fall apart easily so um i did what i could i i had a carnifex i had a hive tyrant my brother went with eldar um and we spent you know five years of our six years seven years of our lives uh, really enjoying this hobby and refining our, our painting techniques. Um, I've still got some of my models painted that I was sharing online. Right. Um, I've still got uh, even my brother's uh, Eldrad Ulthwan, I think his name was, for the uh, for the Eldar. God, I don't um, even know who that is. The Farseer, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. That's excellent. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, eventually what we discovered, and this is all in Hilo, Hawaii, which was a great city to grow up in because it was small enough. You could walk everywhere. So on, on weekends we would walk down to another local hobby shop that the guy would, who ran the shop, he would set up all these 
these uh, war tables and everybody could show up and play whatever tabletop games they wanted to. People would show up and play Magic the Gathering um, and we would just nerd out. And I met like six or seven other kids um, who were into Warhammer, you know, and they would play different armies and we all had picked up you know warhammer 40k so i managed to have a lot of battles against space marines and in the imperium even fought the sisters of battle once other eldar space works um and i i managed to collect quite a few tyranids over time um and it was just it was a really fun time in my life to be able to connect with other kids and have these really like four hour battles eventually we got to a point where it's like you memorize your codex and you got the rules pretty down pat and you could get through a game in three hours, but uh, you know, uh, 2000 points on either side, fairly big sized army. Yeah. Um, and we started getting into modding figurines and, you know, pinning things. And I've got a, a magnetized uh, Carnifex where I could swap out the arms on it if I want to um, for different armaments. So it was something we really got into towards the end of that time. um, I'd always eyeballed Warhammer fantasy. Yeah. And it always seemed like 40 K was more like free and loosey goosey and just like organic. And then you look at Warhammer fantasy with these very tightly regimented units that had like, you had to measure wheeling and all these things from the edge of it. And I was like, I don't know. Like I'm a nerd, (laughs) but that looks pretty nerdy. Um, but eventually a lot of us decided we would try out Warhammer Fantasy. Um, and I picked Lizardmen. All um, right. Yeah. I really, really loved their lore a yeah. lot. Yeah. Um, and uh, they were just a blast to play with. I've still got my my lord that I used, a skink priest, mounted on a uh, Stegodon, something like that. Um, yeah, right. Hearing you say all that, I think I was the most into it of my group of friends. And I was like spent so much time trying to convince my friends to (laughs) get on my level and they they tried but yeah uh no one was jumping uh disciplines it's a hard (laughs) it's a hard ask though i mean because you're asking people hey buy these really expensive figurines spend hours painting them uh you know (laughs) some assembly required all assembly required and then let's hang out for hours and, and play a game with them also, um, do your homework and study this manual yeah. before you get here. <laughs> it's a lot of work. Maybe the most work I've ever put into any game has I'd, been. I'd probably agree stuff. with that. It's yeah. I think that's why people love it so much because they yeah. did spend all those hundreds, and I'm talking hundreds of hours, just yeah. debating the point score of you know, can I equip this on my <laughs> wizard? Can I bring yeah. this? It's is it ref like you said? Is it represented on the model? Can I legally <laughs> bring it? Right. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, it is. It is. It's a lot of work. I mean, it's a. It is a full on hobby. It, it is massively a hobby. Um, I feel like I would have played more video games had I not done this. But this was nicely social. Um, yes, was the really cool thing about it. I um, will. I will say. I do have to share this anecdote and i don't mean to yes. shame any nerds but when my <laughs> shame them <laughs> yeah when when my wife and i lived out in melbourne i'd kind of told like she knows about this stuff but like not really to the level 
Uh, and there was like a games workshop store in the city. And I was just like, oh, I want to go in there and just like see if there's any books that I could get. Like, I'd love to get some more books. And I was kind of warning her ahead of time. I was like, look, it's going to be pretty grim <laughs> when we go in here. Like, what you're going to see is going to be pretty dark. And it, and, it, and it was. It was like, you know, love everyone, but like just... A lot of a lot of neckbeards, let's say, and they were quite shocked to see her <laughs> in their world. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, it really a was member of the fairer sex in here. <laughs> yeah, it, it really was a situation where we walked in and everyone stopped. There was like eight guys in there, and they just stopped what they were doing, and it was like just furtive looks at us until we left. It was, <laughs> it's a that it's a funny. lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. It is. Yeah. You know, I, I, I've only ever been in a games workshop store once. Uh, it, I think it was in Burbank, California and, uh, kind of had the same experience. I went with my wife and I was like, I didn't tell her like, look, it's going to be dark, but like, <laughs> just it's, it'll be nerdy. Like, well, we're not going to spend time there. I don't plan on spending any money. Let's just, I just want to say like, I've been to a games workshop. Yeah. So we right. walked in. Nobody said anything to us. It was just kind of like mausoleum quiet in there. Yeah. And we just left and that was it. And I was like, all right, that's, it, that's cherry on top of the cake of my childhood. And I'm kind of done with that hobby now. It, it yeah, is deeply cool. Like they put so much effort into creating these awesome battlefields and like you can go in there, like my local one, you could go on a Thursday night and it would just be like pick up and play anyone, you oh, know, people. Cool. Yeah, like they do cool stuff like that. It's just, um, yeah, it's it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it is a lot. It is a lot. I mean, when I was in, I've I won one tournament. Uh, once beat. Uh, it came down to me and a Tau player. Okay. Um, Tau versus Tyranids, kind of unfair. You know, I have to run across this huge field, and he's just like, "I'm just gonna stand here and shoot you." Melee versus ranged, <laughs> the two right, extremes. Right. Yeah. Right. So, but once you kind of catch up with them, then you just swamp them. So I had modded uh, my hive tyrant. Uh, I took pieces from a xenomorph uh, action figure and uh, converted them to mount them into wings on the back of the hive tyrant. Cause the rules in the tournament were it has to be represented on the model. Right. So yeah. I was like, I want a flying hive tyrant. I'm going to make a flying hive tyrant and I still have it. And I love that piece. But I won that match, won the tournament. I've won painting tournaments. Uh, it was, it's just, it's such a great hobby. It is a shame. It's so expensive. Yeah, um, it is. It's hard to get into. Yeah. And the greatest, so. like everything, like now that I could afford it, I don't have the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's it right there. Oh. Uh, let's see. There's a, there's a statement here from Metal Biako who said, the only mention I have is this is the type of game, speaking of, Warhammer 2, the type of game Warhammer deserves, since it really fits with the tabletop game and all, and Games Workshop should have used the popularity to maybe revive the franchise. Um, I really get that. I really feel like playing Total War Warhammer, um, it made me feel like I was playing the tabletop game, except the units look beautiful and I didn't have to paint them. Yeah. And when I drop them, they don't fall apart and yes. <laughs> transporting them isn't a nightmare, you know, like all kinds of things like that. It is. So. It is the situation where like when when the first because, again, we can talk about it. I'm a long time Total War fan. Like when it was announced that they were partnering with uh, Games Workshop, it did feel like uh, 
a match made in heaven. Like it really was. There's no other developer I can think of that could do justice to Warhammer on both like the strategic level and also on the tactical level. Like this this was the game I dreamed about as a as a weird little teen. <laughs> and it finally yes. happened. Like it finally happened. Yeah. When you were reading all those stories, like I remember reading, you know, the one of my favorite stories being a Tyranid player. There's not a ton of stories because Tyranids don't really have characters. Um, but the first invasion of Tyran, uh, and, you know, and they're like, nobody knows what this thing, the great devourer is. And that just descends and it transforms the biology of the planet and all these things. I love just kind of being sucked into that world and here seeing the characters come to life, seeing the factions come to life in Warhammer two is, is wonderful. I get to hear what the lizard men sound like. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. loved hearing, uh, like uh the skinks like there's a there's a time where uh you know you click on a unit and it talks like in starcraft right and uh the skinks are like hola skink when you click on yeah. a skink i'm like did he say like hola skink yeah um, or like to Henuin had that like that really like frilly kind of uh uh yeah. and, like, it's so it has so much personality and character i just i really love how they brought this world to life yeah they did a really good job and like yeah we can get into a whatever aspect you want but like the, the, i don't know if you've seen some of the animations like the the work they do on like when you get something like a two dragons fighting each other and like like you said how how basic should we go here like for people that don't know this is a grand strategy game turn based and when two armies meet you go to like a real-time battle uh yeah. and it's it's on a massive scale this is not age of empires like where you might have dozens of units this you might have thousands of men uh divided into different regiments and they all march around keeping cohesion or whatever but yeah you'll have these monstrous units like dragons and if they encounter each other they'll like you know one will grab the other by the neck smash it into the ground they'll be like rolling around and it's insane, like all and all <laughs> the different animations, yeah, yeah, and they're cross faction. So, like you know, orcs fighting elves. Now, oh, it's kind of a bad example. It's mostly the big monsters that do that stuff, but yeah, it's very right, impressive. Right, right. Very impressive. It it absolutely is. It's a very impressive game for sure. Before we leave the topic of of wargaming, uh, there is a question here that's uh, that's really. Um, it's a really sharp question. This is from Bookworm. How does wargaming compare to role-playing games? Is this still a helpful distinction? Also, ask your guest to say, rise up lights. That should be fun. I'm sure you've been asked <laughs> to say that one before. No, I never have. Rise up lights? <laughs> okay. What is supposed to sound like razor blades? Like rise up lights. Oh, right. right rise up lights. <laughs> rise up lights that's uh, great you're a good sport that's funny that's fun but the one i think it's water that's the most oh, australian water. yeah because we say it with a d like an english person will say water and water. we say water yeah. well i mean my my uh my stepdad's from the east coast of the u.s uh and he uh and he goes water like go out yeah, and right. water the dog you know, they kind of put that. So maybe you've got some commonality with the the D in, in water. 
it's That's i find funny. it really fascinating because australia is ostensibly almost as old as america it's uh-huh. almost as geographically large but we don't have any of that regional dialect stuff like i'm on the east coast someone in perth on the far west coast we sound exactly the same that's interesting. And then you look at England and it's, it's microscopic by yeah, comparison. And they have like, like 50,000 accents there. It's like town to town. It's different. Yeah, that's Whereas, crazy. Like you cross a street and people sound different. We've got like a little bit like, you know, the snooty. I live there so I can say this. People from Melbourne okay. are, are a little bit <laughs> snooty. Uh, and yeah, they have like a little more of a, a cosmopolitan thing going on, let's say. And of course, that's we've got funny. our our bogans which are you know like your rednecks uh, okay <laughs> we, call, we, we call them bogans here so uh, interesting i mean the cultural differences are just fascinating to me especially when that comes down to to accents but uh i mean do you, do you have thoughts on this like war game how does wargaming compare to role-playing games that might be a touchstone for some people listening I think they're probably I look I've never been like deep into like RP servers or anything but I I'd say they're very similar like this kind of wargaming it very it's so deep and all encompassing um I think there's a lot of analogs there like they're quite similar um yeah I mean I think he anticipates that answer to in asking the secondary question, is this still a helpful distinction? Like when you talk about uh, Warhammer 2, um, there's RPG mechanics in there. I mean, you've oh, yeah, got yeah. lords and heroes who have their own, you know, evolutionary trees based on experience points. Um, and so you're absolutely controlling, you know, characters. You're advancing a story just in a unique way. I I w- imagine that wargaming versus role-playing games um, are really maybe some mechanical distinctions there. Um, like this is definitely t- Warhammer two is definitely an RPG, but it's uniquely a war game in a way that like, you know, final fantasy seven is not you're controlling three yeah. characters and that, and this you're controlling massive armies, you know? Um, even amongst strategy games, Total War is fairly unique, I think. Because um, it's hard when you start trying to put genres on it. You're like, well, it's not a strategy RPG. That means something very different. Like that's right. like, you know, right, Final right. Fantasy Tactics or something. But at yeah, the same, it's definitely not that. At the same time, this is grand strategy uh, where you have your provinces, you capture cities, you build up your economy. When you go to combat it's a real-time strategy game but at the mm-hmm. same time it's all held together by rpg mechanics of your characters like the the generals uh and it's it's a very interesting mix because mostly you'll get you know grand strategy games like crusader kings uh where it far less focus on combat or you'll go the other way like company of heroes where it's all on the battlefield tactics it's I think that's why I love it so much because it melds the two and it's kind of great at both. It's not like either lacks, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does make sense. Uh, There's a balance there that I think it strikes between two very different kinds of strategic and tactical 
modes of gameplay. Uh, if you go to look this up, Warhammer 2 is both a turn-based strategy game and a real-time tactics game. I've had people ask, like, what the heck is real-time turn-based? Like, no, 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 yeah. no. <laughs> there, there are two very different modes. You've got a campaign mode where you're tr- kind of tracking over an overworld. Uh, and you're moving entire armies, you know, as one kind of entity across this world, taking over, um, you know, fortresses and castles and strongholds, taking over regions and provinces, uh, defending against invaders, all that kind of raiding enemy you know, regions and things like that. And when two armies meet on the overworld, then it shifts to a different gameplay mode. That's real time tactics. And that's where you're moving the individual units across different terrain to try to outmaneuver and, and destroy your enemy. Um, and there's a number of tactics on that. Now, what I wanted to ask you here, this is maybe the most fascinating question uh that came out of the discussion trying to you know generate ahead of this podcast is is there any difference just generally between strategy and tactics yeah there there is yeah i love this question too like i'm a massive history nerd napoleon's like my obsession um oh nice oh you're gonna come at this from like Oh, a very yeah. good angle yeah, sure. yeah. <laughs> i can't remember who said it it wasn't napoleon but so and I'll paraphrase badly, but tactics is anything you do on the battlefield that could be, you know, forming a phalanx. It could be a defensive position, you know, the types of weapons you use, the way you use them. And strategy is everything that led up to that point beforehand. So it was the training of the soldiers, the equipping of them, the moving them to the battlefield. So strategy is the overview. Tactics is the micro strategy is the macro <laughs> tactics is the micro if that makes there sense. there you go definitely no that's great and it it falls in line with uh with a few people who commented on that question when i i put it out to the community uh demrias jerryak said uh there's absolutely a distinction using solo characters with no stacks to bait enemies into an ambush is a great strategy setting up archers with spears on the sides and front arcs is great tactics um so again drawing distinction in this game especially when that distinction is between two very different uh gameplay modes Shadewing said strategy is more about working out goals and objectives while Mm. tactics is about working out how to achieve your goals. The answer depends on the game, but some are flexible in working out goals. GW Bicer said, I would say strategy has to do with a macro layer controlling a lot of units, very broad orders, that sort of thing. While tactics is the, is at the individual or micro layer. Yeah, I would I would go so far as to say is like the strategy is the um the turn based element of the game, like how you build your army. Like say you just yeah. you know, you pump out a full stack of just spearmen. You've got twenty spearmen, you take them into a battle. At that point it doesn't really matter what tactics you use because you've kind of stuffed up on the strategy element. Like if they've got, you know, if you can't counter what they've brought because you've only brought this one unit type you've you've stuffed up on the strategic level and it doesn't really matter what you do yeah Uh, your tactics at that point aren't going to really matter i see what you're saying yes that's great that's a great example 
Um, it almost seems like, yeah, the strategy is the preparation and the tactics is the execution. So like I find myself um, outmaneuvered in this game on the overworld frequently, you know, as I, I, I didn't plan for an enemy to come from this direction. I underestimated this enemy here, you know, and whatever. And then moving your pieces across that huge board can be very difficult. And then there, by the time I get to tactics, you know, my army's winded. It's suffered all kinds of attrition trying to yep. get back to this <laughs> point, you know, and then I just get wiped out anyway, no matter how I fight the battle tactically. I think too, you know, there's a lot of people who would say strategy and tactics is, are synonymous. I think given everything that you've shared and and that other folk have shared, um, I really think that they are separate. It is Final Fantasy Tactics because the game is designed around the individual, that micro layer of the the battle tactics themselves. Um, strategy, not so much. But the strategy, that macro layer, is is definitely interesting in its relationship here in Warhammer 2. Yeah, it's... um. You know, it's a fairly fine distinction in a game like this, but it all all comes together, and I think that's why I find it so engaging. Like, I actually prefer the strategic layer, like the tactics are the the sexy part, you know, like the big battles. <laughs> yes. Uh, but it's the strategy stuff that really locks me in, like the big picture, yeah, positioning and, and things. It's It's great. <laughs> and there's there's things you that are built in the game too so like i mean ideally you're not going to be fighting every single battle that that comes upon you and so fortunately there's there's an auto battle button that you can use like i mean if if a small stack of like a goblin lord with like three units of squigs comes up against your full stack of like monsters and spearmen and archers and all these things you could just auto battle that and win it automatically so that you don't have to go into the tactics thing, fight through the whole, you know, mini battle there and then come through, obviously, the victor anyway. Yeah. And that's been controversial, too, because an interesting thing with these games is they're depending on how they're tuned, uh, they can uh, have all kinds of issues like uh, Warhammer 3. Uh, we were talking about this is the latest one. Um they're changing the way the vampire counts work because they could just raise massive skeleton armies, uh, just stacks and stacks of them. And uh, players were able to exploit that because they're so cheap. And the way the, um, the back end calculates it, like it sort of doesn't take into, or at least it used to, it wouldn't take into account that these are very weak enemies. It just realized that there were 30,000 of them, you know, it just and you sees, could just, yeah, the numbers. Yeah. Yeah, so they're changing the way that works. Um, interesting. So yeah, auto yeah, resolve know. is an interesting. One. <laughs> you know, I, it's not something to rely on. I think too. I mean, sometimes I'll go up against a stack that I think I could absolutely win, and then I'll look at the uh, the auto resolve, and I'm glad it tells you, and it'll be like casualties high. I'm like, why? Why? Yeah. And then you fight the battle, and you just fight it smartly you just smarter fight the battle and it's not, and it's not so bad. You don't take that many casualties. And it, so, it should be that way. Shouldn't it? Like yeah, you shouldn't right. otherwise, cause I'll be honest, like I've played these games for thousands of hours. I've very rarely finished a campaign. You sort of just yeah. get to a point where um you're snowballing and there's very little the computer can do. So you just start auto resolving. And after that point, uh, but interestingly, like lately creative assembly is, 
doing introducing mechanics to remedy that in the okay. form of like end game events where like you know all the factions will gang up on you or there'll be like a massive civil war or they're getting better at that uh so that there's some kind of conflict there yeah 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 definitely good um Another thing to note is oh, we're kind of skipping around here, but that's excellent. I really want to close out like the these various talks, like talk about the tabletop thing. Perfect. Uh, I do want to mention here Warhammer 2 can be combined with your purchase of Warhammer 1 in order to access Mortal Empires, uh, an expanded campaign with playable factions from both games combined across a humongous map. Now, when I first bought Warhammer 2, I was like, where's all the factions at? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot in there still for sure. Like, and I just really wanted to play as Lizardmen a lot. But then you start exploring, and you're like, why didn't they have this back? But then I found out, oh, if you buy both games, you can combine them and you can play Mortal Empires. I think that's one of the coolest things about this. Yeah. And so, like we were kind of saying earlier, um, Warhammer 3 continues that. Uh and that for whatever reason they're changing it to immortal empires it releases in <laughs> like two weeks and it will frankenstein the world maps of all three games and there's something like 90 factions on it and it's just absolutely ludicrous like you just i don't know i think i'm gonna have to quit my job and just play it all the time <laughs> like it all day. it's that's funny it's gonna be interesting though because they have to balance that and that's such a fine Balancing yeah, act. Oh. I'd give him a year. I'd give him a year. Yeah, I'm not that's... gonna. I'm not gonna want to rush on that one. I'm too weak. I'll be there day one. Be and, there. Well, let me know I'll, how it goes. Yeah, I'll suffer through it. Uh, but uh, that is, uh, that's actually something I've written about in the past. Like, because there was so much talk at the launch of the original Total War Warhammer game of what this would eventually look like. Like, we knew it would be a trilogy. And they knew they wanted to do this mortal slash immortal empires thing. And we're finally getting there. It's like nearly six years later. We're finally getting to, yeah, them realizing that ambition. And it is crazy. Like it's, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a lot. I thought Mortal Empires was humongous. I just caught wind of Immortal Empires recently. Yeah. And I, I can't believe the, the scale of it. Yeah, it's um, unbelievable. It's, it is. These are just games that I can play forever. Like, I, I booted up um, Napoleon last week. Like, that's a game from 2014. And it's just still good because of its setting and, like, yeah, these games are evergreen. Uh, you can just come back to them. And, I mean, we're going to talk about it maybe a little later, but, like, the modding community just keeps it alive. Oh, humongous. Yeah. Yeah. Joypad Lad is back in action. Yes, the good guy of retro gaming stores is back in town. You need to head over to joypadlad.com to find your latest gifting, including self-gifting, needs. He's got all sorts of comic books, merchandise, toys, licensed and unlicensed doodads, video games galore, and he's constantly adding to his store. Be sure to visit and use the code RED10, that's RED10, to get 10% off your order. Tell him the Red Mage sent you. Uh, so earlier, you know, we mentioned it's kind of difficult to compare uh, 
Warhammer 2 and the Total War games to other games, we have name dropped a couple. Um, what I want to home in on here is maybe more of the RTS crowd, because I feel like that's maybe more where my circle uh, has some familiarity. Um, you know, Civilization, Age of Empires, maybe not so much, but things like Warcraft, Starcraft. Um, so people have asked me, like, is this just like Starcraft? And kind of, <laughs> but not yeah. really at the same time. It, you know, there's there's definitely differences. Yeah, it's it's really hard to. I really think they're the only company doing this kind of thing, Creative Assembly. Like, I would really, and I'm into this stuff. It's very hard for me to think of anything that's comparable, even just in the 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 real time layer because of how much is going on like the weight of each unit the way like when they impact with each other it'll like shift the formations the every unit is monitoring so many things like their distance to their general their current morale how tired they are like if they're being flanked like yeah there's so much to think about but at the same time you don't have to take it to that level but if you want to be really good like I consider myself like above average at these games. I've been playing them a long time, but I get stomped out if I try and play it online. Like people <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> are so good at it. That's yeah. I, I just don't have the micro like, yeah. Like, you know, like, cause again, if we're just trying to set like a baseline here in a decent sized battle, you're managing 20 units. You need to like keep an eye on them, make sure they're attacking if they're archers, you need to keep them safe behind like defensive units, keep them on target. You need to manage like your cavalry at the same time. Yeah. Like you're trying to like get them behind. All the while your opponent's doing the same thing. Uh line of sight is an issue. Like if an unit is behind hills or whatever, you can't see them. Uh and then that's before you throw in what the Warhammer games introduced, which were like hero characters and monsters and flying creatures. And, you know, you've got artillery and magic spells and it's, um, it's a magic. lot. It's yeah. a lot. I still handle. haven't learned how magic works in this game. which is like, if I can use the spell, sure. I'll cast it. But like, I, I can't. Yeah. There's tons of equipment you can, you can equip on your, on your heroes and Lords. Again, they've got those huge, skill trees it's intense and and battles can get really really hectic especially in real time um you can speed them up i don't think you can slow them down you can't there's a slow motion um okay yeah there is a slow motion depending on what difficulty you're playing on um oh, i see okay it is funny to talk about this because again my um best buddy and co-host govinda uh he just built a gaming pc he's always been a playstation guy and he's He's heard me talk about these games for years and we're just playing Warhammer 3 together. And it's awesome. Like, you know, he can play any video game, but it real you take for granted how much goes into this game. Like I get a little bit frustrated with like how long it takes him to end his turn. You know, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I'm done. But he's like going, Oh, but I've got to like look at this and why is this happening? Like, why is my you know, public disorder level? going up right. why am i getting rebellions and i'm just like shut up 
in the turn. Like it's <laughs> they <laughs> managing are managing your upkeep and then the yeah, each faction's yeah. special rules and like don't you politics. know what units you need to build? Just <laughs> do it already. Like it's there's so much. And it really is like on the on the the campaign side, the turn based strategy side. It, there's so many systems it can seem overwhelming and then on the real-time tactics side it could seem like it's a lot of micromanagement yeah watching watching him try to react to something like say the center of your line has just collapsed your men are just fleeing and they're just pouring through the breach like seeing him try to like catch up and deal with that like trying to it's really interesting because it's like you can see that he knows what to do. It's just like trying to stop it or like mitigate a disaster <laughs> yeah. is like, it's really stressful as a player. Yeah. Like, yeah, definitely. I, it almost gives you that kind of simulation sense though. Like if you're a general in real life, I mean, you've got limited, especially, you know, if you take it back to more historical time periods, you've, you've only got so loud a voice. You've only, only got so many ways you can communicate with your whole army. If, mm. if your middle starts breaking, like, what do you do? You don't have a, a range of like leadership <laughs> that you can use to like affect that. You know, yeah. you've, you've only got some specific options and, uh, and it definitely makes you feel like you're actually leading an army sometimes. And it's down to like, like, again, for me, the most Zen state I think I can achieve is like playing one of these games. I'll have like a whiskey or something and I'll just have headphones on. And I'll listen to like a historical podcast and I'm just in my happy place. And like the fact that this game lets you, so like the way you deal with that center collapse is you have a line of reserves, like a a second line and you move them in to position. And like the fact that this game lets you do that and like those troops will be fresh and they'll like perform better. Like it's just, yeah, they really capture, again, it's hard to, be the general of a fantasy army but they simulate right. it really well <laughs> even even if you pick an undead faction you know i mean like like again i started with lizardmen i'm used to ah they're cold blood they're not gonna break for nothing and yeah sure like if you put a line of saurus like their basic meat shields that that are are burly dudes like they're they're pretty resolute um but then when i go and change to you know another army you got to kind of change up some of your mentality there too. And I really appreciate that diversity yeah. um, here with, with Warcraft. Uh, there's a, there's a, a question here from Bakuiel. Always been interested in Warhammer lore, but never played a game, never played total war either. It is, is it a, an RTS like Warcraft or is it something more? It always seemed super complicated. Well, I mean, like you can tell from our discussion, it is super complicated. It definitely is. Um, is it like Warcraft in a, in a way I've played Warcraft three, um, three, and it is, it's, it's got some of those similar elements there, you know, but it's not quite the same. Yeah. I, I, it's hard. It is hard. Cause I can see the elements like, yeah, you do have the hero characters and it's like, there is the, the sort of strategy element of like, you know, building your economy and build orders yeah. and stuff, but it's. They're just such different beasts, because at the same yeah. time, I think Total War is, God, at the risk of sounding like an absolute dick, it's it's more cerebral. Like, there's more, um, 
it's the thinking man strategy game. <laughs> There's just it's slower. It's not like StarCraft in my mind. You don't really like No, yeah. You could rush through a game of of StarCraft. You know, you could Zerg rush that. I don't think you could do that in this game. They're like, there's ways, there's YouTubers that do some crazy stuff, like, you know, playing <laughs> on Legendary and, you know, but it's it's sort of missing the point to be, like, rushing to the battles in this game. Like like I said, I think the battles are the least interesting part, and they're the big mm. banner thing you'll see if you ever watch gameplay of this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I truly don't think there's anything else like it. The closest thing would be, like, a Paradox game. Um, but they don't really focus on combat, so even that isn't very close. Um, I, I'd actually love to see a competitor. I don't know why there isn't one. Yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, these games sell well. I, I just, I, I just know. had a look. It's not. Uh, this was a little bit out of date, but Warhammer Two sold about uh, one and a half million copies. Um, it's not nothing. It's not nothing, but at the same time, you're like. It's not. I would have thought it'd be more. Hmm. Um, yeah, like Troy has apparently Troy's a historical. Well, we're in a weird place now. It's a mythological game. Apparently, that sold seven million copies. Yeah, it's very hard to say, but it. I suppose it's worth mentioning these Warhammer games kind of saved Creative Assembly. They were sort of struggling, uh, and then this partnership kind of reinvigorated the fan base. Uh, well, I'm glad they did. Um, it definitely got me to play them, you know, loving, loving the lore, loving the, uh, the world building. There's a shout out here to Yemi, the ferret who said, Oh man, the world building and the Warhammer series is so good. I loved this comment too, from cloud 3214 fantastic universe played a few tabletop campaigns that lore that fat juicy lore <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's intense. But on that note, uh, Dadam asked. What sets Warhammer apart from other fantasy settings? So we've been comparing Warhammer to, um, you know, other strategy games, other tactics games. Uh, But what about other fantasy settings? Like, what would you say sets Warhammer apart from other high fantasy stuff? Because like like I said at the beginning, you take a glance at this, you're like, eh, orcs, elves, basic high, high, you know, high, high fantasy stuff. It's a pretty, that's a tough question because it's, I guess the easy answer is the 30 to 40 years of backstory that is just what Games Workshop is, like just Mm -hmm. the building upon other writings and just... um, Someone pointed this out to me, like a lot of the major factions are sort of based on real world peoples and, you know, maybe... Like geographies, yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting because like the Empire is very clearly like, you know... 1500s germany kind of thing it's like muskets and things and then you've got the bretonians who are sort of like a mix of medieval french and british you know it's like a focus Mm -hmm. on knights and things um i think that's pretty interesting although i guess that makes um america is the dark elves i guess (laughs) 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 they're sort of like yeah the northerners yeah it's a good one because yeah i think that's what they said high elves are kind of like britain now they've got their own little island yeah you know and they sort of have the the great navy i mean it's not the worst thing australians aren't even included in that so you know 
No. Well, <laughs> I mean, maybe you could claim like one of the the armies that they forgot about, like Chaos Dwarves or something. Yeah. Uh, Although they the the rumor is they're coming in Warhammer. I heard that rumor. Yeah. I heard that rumor. Yeah. Uh, weirder things have happened. They remembered Harlequins. Um, this, I, yeah, I loved that uh, that the Lizardmen uh, take a lot from uh, Mesoamerican yeah. cultures, Aztecs, Mayans. That's a cool um, mix. Like, yeah, Lizardmen cool with, like, you know, huge... Uh, what would you call that? Like, the, the Stegodon... I love that. And it's like 40 dudes on the back of a Stegodon and they've got like Oh a yeah, straight up castle. just like dinosaurs out of the Amazon forest. Yeah. Yeah. All kinds of cool stuff there. So it is a very, I awesome. think that's a good answer. It is a <laughs> very like, uh, storied universe. I don't know what the Skaven analog would be, but they're probably my favorite. Not so much in game, oh, but yeah. probably my yeah. favorite faction. Like this hyper intelligent rat men that only live for like eight years, but they breed like rats and yeah they're awesome i like skaven that is a really creative uh faction too seems like um i like that everything's kind of feels like it's tied together in in fantasy especially in warhammer fantasy um everything kind of has some connection to chaos some connection Mm. to the old ones some connection to you know the empire just it feels like a world that's that's knit together um, despite having so much to it, um, I, you know, I always empathize when people say, well, it just looks like fantasy or 40 K. It just looks like a bunch of dudes in big armor. That's cause that's what it is. Yeah, <laughs> basically it kind of is. It's- <laughs> it is just a bunch of dudes in big armor, but I think the texture is a word that I've been using a lot to describe story. I think the texture of these stories, um, is just really interesting. It feels very inhabited. Um, we were talking about lore and lore heaviness not too long ago. And yeah, it's something that feels inhabited. It's something where you could tell that there's stories happening that you just haven't read yet. You know, like it feels like there's, there's things that, that have occurred. There's real events that have happened in this universe. Um, and that's special, you know, that takes time for some people to build up for sure. I'm kind of always fascinated i guess i'm not super up to date on it these days but i'm always fascinated by how it it's sort of set in this very specific time zone this warhammer universe sort of just before a massive chaos invasion everyone's getting prepared for it and that's sort of where it's all set but certain things happen that move or you know push that timeline forward like just with the example of the scaven like the long running joke is that the empire don't believe they exist like, it's like yeah. the Ratman, the rumors of the Ratman, but like, you know, you're playing this game where you're fighting one army against the other, but like, they're like, no, oh, I don't know if they're real or not. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, there's definitely some uh, creative liberty there. Um, on on the matter of Warcraft, we got a question here from Carry 86 Do you think that if Warhammer didn't exist, Warcraft wouldn't be there? There's an interesting story tied to that. Yeah, I'm not super familiar on that timeline. I know Warhammer's from like the 80s, possibly earlier, like the very. It's been around. Yeah, yeah I, know. I would. I could see some elements making their way, but then I'm not super familiar with Warcraft, if I'm being honest. Oh, okay. So, I mean, I don't know the whole story, but evidently Blizzard, uh, when they were developing Warcraft, were they were actually planning to make a Warhammer game. Oh. Um, 
and the, the, the licensing didn't come in the mail or whatever happened that kind of derailed that. So like, well, we'll just kind of change some names <laughs> and you get generic fantasy universe number two. So that explains a lot of the the familiar textures between those two and perhaps the the naming convention as well. Um, I read that that rubs some fans of Warhammer the wrong way because here, you know, I I mean, you know, like we said earlier, as a Warhammer fan, you're trying to make more Warhammer fans, but that's hard. And then so they're like, hey, we're going to make a Warhammer game. Just kidding. It's Warcraft. Uh, and it ends up being hugely successful. And you're like, why couldn't this have been a Warhammer game? It could have helped attract more fans and on and on. But uh, history is strange like that. It is interesting. Yeah, I actually didn't know that. That's um, that's a fun little fact. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i sure there's more to tell of that story, but uh, we'll have to save that chapter for another day. As far as would Warcraft still exist? Probably. I mean, there's other high fantasy stuff you know it's all uh, pretty tolkienian you yeah, know Tolkien, it's like noble right. elves savage orcs right. yeah right. it's all it's all there yeah like we had a thread going on twitter once it was like you know for example warhammer is just tolkien tolkien is just the bible it's like it's been around for, it is it really <laughs> for a is. really long time <laughs> so the the high fantasy stuff like they're not inventing these things that's no. for sure You've got Dungeons and Dragons. You've got plenty of other high fantasy settings. But it is interesting that Warcraft evidently was supposed to be a a Warhammer game at one point. Um, We touched on difficulty a bit previously. Do you want to touch on that again here? Specifically for the newcomer, uh, Fitz Retro asks, as a strategy gamer, I've always been mad that I never tried out Warhammer. Honestly, I got intimidated by the tabletop version. Because of all the awesome looking minis and my lack of cash to spend on them. Boy, I hear that. Uh, The lore was pretty great, though. Uh, And Terrence Harkin had the question here. How easy is it it to pick up and play for the uninitiated? Big question. Um, I think, again, just going off my experience with my co-host Govinda, like, it's not undoable like he just picked up warhammer 3 the tutorial is surprisingly awesome it's like very narrative and takes you through everything you need to know like um the beauty of these games is it's you're on your own time like you can take as much time as you want like yeah like i think if you're not a strategy gamer it's not really the end of the world it's Mm -hmm. something new yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I had a hard time getting into these. I think that there is, to be honest with a newcomer or the uninitiated, as Terrence Harkin put it, um, it's it takes some perseverance. Okay. Uh, I started with Warhammer 2, though, and I don't think like starting with Warhammer 2 and just jumping straight into a Vortex campaign Mm. is the way to do it but i had no idea what i was doing <laughs> yeah you know? i guess i guess i gotta try and get past the biases here like i'm i've been playing these games for 15 years at this point it's yeah like I, maybe it is harder than i'm giving it credit well but... <laughs> but you you brought up a good point though with total warhammer uh total war warhammer 3 uh that has a really good introductory tutorial yeah uh, with kislev right yeah it's great yeah it is good in a way that introduces the player to 
like how to play this game without being like, hey, by the way, this is a King of the Hill campaign. You better get to that vortex as fast as possible or you'll die. Um, You know, so I feel like if you're going to start Warhammer 2 and, and start there, start with one of like the missions, you know, where you pick a character and it has you play a battle and you can kind of get a little bit familiar with the game. Yeah. Uh, and then try a campaign, then try, you know, mortal empires or, or try a vortex. Um, but if you're going to play any of these for the first time, Warhammer three has an excellent tutorial that yeah. I think is really uh, self-aware knowing that there's a lot to manage here and they kind of ease you into that. Yeah. And like even a campaign itself, the ramp up is decent. Like you do start having to deal with full stacks you know, within the first few hours, but like your first few battles won't be, you know, 40 on 40 or something. It'll just be a few units here and there. And yeah. And there's always custom battles. You can just like practice. There's a question here from Pabst Oban. I've never played a Warhammer video game. I own several. <laughs> Where do I start? Um, I would say with Warhammer three is a great place to start. What about you? I I'd agree. Um, just for that tutorial. Uh, factor yeah uh it's so hard to because again my buddy i'm trying to convince him to go back and buy one and two so that we can play immortal empires in three yes (laughs) but it's it's such a big ask again it's like it is yeah i mean the the early games go on sale all the time on steam you can get them for nothing uh but yeah i think i think warhammer 3 is is the best place to start yeah not my favorite entry but i think a good tutorial goes a long way yeah. Uh, and, and if you like it, then you can always go back and play the other ones, you know, or combine them all into <laughs> this massive thing. So uh, again, it's, um, something I've written about in the past. It's, it's not for nothing that the most popular Warhammer three mod right now turns off the campaign mechanics and just ah. makes it like, you don't have to deal with any of that. The great bear stuff. It's just a sandbox. These games should be. It's cool that they're experimenting with like a narrative campaign, but like people just want the sandbox. You just want to have the factions and make your own stories. That's the whole beauty of it. That Uh that's what I liked about Mortal Empires and why I bought the first one is because I just want to kind of play this without having to rush, you know, the vortex and stuff like that. So Mm. uh, a couple other gameplay details. Um, three that I really want to touch on. The Vortex campaign, we mentioned it already. Kind of a capture the flag uh, um, King of the Hill type thing where when you start one, depending on the faction that you choose in Warhammer 2, um, you'll start off at your headquarters on the map and your goal is to take control of this swirling vortex of magic. Um, You don't do that by like physically moving your armies there, but you build up resources, build up your armies and then send out a force to go and basically capture a bit of that. And you have to do that a, ser- a series of times, a number of times. And then once you do that, you know, a number of times you, you have this climactic battle against several forces at once, which is really exciting. Um, and then you, if you are successful, you beat the game. Uh, and then from there, you can kind of just, you know, take over the world if you want to. Um, how did you feel about the Vortex campaign? Uh, yeah, so that was kind of a bit of a shock for me. Um, because uh-huh. again, that's just not what I wanted. Um, right, it's, it's cool, and like it sounds like you know, 
minimizing it. Like there's a lot of work done to like make this cinematic and every faction has its own angle to wanting to take the vortex for various reasons. They each have their own mechanics as to how they do it, like what they need to do to gather power or whatever. But at the end of the day, I just wanted like a sandbox. (laughs) Right. Just, yeah. And so that's not really what I want from these games, but thankfully they gave that to us in um, mortal empires. Uh, So yeah, I've, I've never finished a vortex campaign. Oh, I'm really? To say. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah, I believe <laughs> it. Like, I believe it. It is really hard. I mean, I've I played this game on easy for months. For months just like how the heck cuz one again, there's so much already to kind of manage even in just a sandbox kind of format. Yeah. Um but even then beyond that, uh trying to figure out, you know, how to send forces out uh, to to the vortex and what happens if your force loses and uh, you know and then the game's constantly like uh oh the dark elves sent out their sorcerer and then uh oh the high elves are starting up their you know ritual of magic and you're like gosh like I'm so far behind and and you kind of panic like it took me the first time I beat the beat the vortex campaign on easy 230 turns yeah right. Uh, Playing as uh, Krokgar uh, of the Lizardmen Um, and uh, really starting in like a really safe area of the map Um, because the whole time, too, you're fighting against other invaders and trying to take over territories and not die, you know, while trying to manage this vortex thing at the same time. It is really hard. Yeah, there's a lot going on and they do. um, There's some cool mechanics where like if they're activating their ritual or whatever you can like deploy what do you call them they're like expeditionary armies and they just sort of like appear over there uh i believe that's right um yeah i think that is yeah and so there's ways to like disrupt it but you're right because even if you're focusing on one faction there's four main players plus dozens of lesser factions all competing as well like yeah there's a lot going on yeah but you do get these little cool stories uh, that follow a character or characters uh, in trying to take the vortex. Uh, there's some great artwork there. So uh, I'd encourage anyone to check out the vortex campaign. But if you really want to play kind of just like a basic you know, game, uh, pick up one and two, pick up three uh, with that mod, I guess, <laughs> uh, or wait for immortal empires. But um just be forewarned that, yeah, the core game, that Vortex campaign can be a little rough. Uh, I did eventually beat it on normal with Dark Elves, um, mm. but it took uh, it took quite a while, <laughs> a long time. Um, there's also DLC. There's a chunk of DLC for this. You can get new lords, uh, different factions, that sort of thing. Uh, mods, I absolutely wanted to talk with, with you about. The modding scene on this game is humongous. It's crazy. And like it's it's crazy how many of these modders I remember from like the old days on like the TW Center forums, which were just like, you know, text forums and you would go and like download like a really shady file and like I had to learn how to like uh edit any files. I know I'm technologically illiterate, but like I can mod a total war game <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> but yeah 
now it's like it's so easy with steam you just subscribe to them and it all happens but yeah it's it's a great modding scene um yes yeah it really is um there are a lot of there are a lot of cool mods um damrias jerryak asks have you used the steel faith overhaul mod that's the F- sfo mod uh, makes it yes. even more lore accurate i think that's yes. the big one right yeah that that is basically essential <laughs> as far as i'm <laughs> as far as i'm it's really interesting because creative assembly makes the framework and i play that but very quickly modders take it and run like you know they just make things better they add whole new mechanics and it's I hate to say it, it feels like they care more about it sometimes. <laughs> it's, uh, well, you but, feel like, you know, I mean, like in, in defense of Creative Assembly, I mean, they only have so much money to work with, right? And they've got to get paid for this stuff. Whereas fans doing it out of the love of their hearts on their own time can really accomplish, uh, can really accomplish wonders, definitely. <laughs> uh, I, I only got into PC gaming fairly recently and the modding scenes on some of these games just blow my mind. It's really cool. Um, and I mean, these guys, the Steel Faith, I believe they've rebranded as Grimhammer now. Um, uh, maybe I could be wrong about that. Maybe that's just the subhead. But I think they make some decent money. They've got like a big Patreon. Uh, they've oh, turned really? this into, okay. yeah, this is like a, an operation now. Wow. Um, wow. But Way to turn a passion project into like, yeah, something awesome. But, you know, they deal with their own stuff because it's like every update breaks the mod. And then there's like (laughs) tens of thousands of fans hammering these guys going like, when's the update? I can't play. Like, when? I can't play with my sexy elves. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So Uh, there are some. Oh, go ahead. What were you going to say? I was just going to say, like the commenter said, um, this one specifically like makes it more because creative assembly took some liberties with the tabletop game this is more for the hardcore tabletop fans it changes some of the mechanics to more closely resemble that uh and like you know things like lore appropriate units and uh yeah it's like the real super fan mod i think yeah Uh, that that is awesome i mean it's fun to play with uh it definitely has a lot of options you can have you know like unit caps faction wide and all all kinds of things going on um maybe do you want to pick like what it what would be uh one or two mods that you'd love to shout out uh that's the big one um okay i know one while you're thinking yeah um the uh the one where it lets you get your camera like much closer to your units yeah uh that one is it just seems like it really should be in the game because these units are gorgeous there is tons of detail, uh, especially on some of like the bigger, like I'm playing as Tomb Kings right now. Uh, always wanted to play as Tomb Kings. Finally, really checking them out, and there's some gorgeous models. All the, this like lavish gold and articulated armor, it's just beautiful. But getting your camera really up close to them is phenomenal. Um, I would say, yeah. So, uh. SFO will incorporate some of those sometimes. Like they, they're just a part of the mod, so like camera stuff. Um, I think they've incorporated this one too, but it's called Hooverick Reskin. Uh, Hooverick is the modder, I believe. Uh, and it's uh, unbelievable. It's just like thousands and thousands of um, custom 
uh, models for for the army. So like all the soldiers will look vastly different. They're not all like quite so copy and paste. Mm. Um, and it's awesome. Like there's so much work they've done it for every faction over years, uh, and that's like mandatory for me. Um, I need to just check a, that one out then. Yeah, I, I try and like to um keep it like outside of say SFO, kind of keep it um vanilla, because you can mm-hmm. get all kinds of crazy mods that just make it impossible for you to lose or anything. I just kind of like you know visual upgrades and then kind of yeah for sure because I I think like um like one that I really enjoyed when I played as Lizardman is one that uh uh differentiates the Lizardman's skin tones. <laughs> Uh, or scale tones between individual lizard men in a single unit. So, yeah. cause it kind of, it doesn't make a ton of sense when, you know, you have like a uh, hundred skinks and they're all exactly the same color. So yeah. like, you know, it'll give them different shades of oranges and browns and greens. And that's really fun. I think that's yeah. a great, nice touch. There's so much work that goes into it. Like, yeah, like that unit cap thing you said, like that feels like it should have been in the game from the start. And I kind of can't imagine not playing without it. Like, you know, because in the base game, there's nothing to stop you from having an army of only T-Rexes. You just have yeah. 20 T-Rexes. It's totally ludicrous. And you can just You're do that. Stack. <laughs> yeah, but you're like, you know, maybe you should only have one or two of them. And it makes yeah. the computer operate under those rules too. So it kind of... Yeah, it makes it more special, I think. Yeah. Like, you know what I was doing at one point with the Lizardmen was having a full stack of uh, of skink priests, uh, but mounted on top of stegodons. Yeah. So it's just like a, a full <laughs> army of, like, stegodons. There's huge monsters, and then there's a wizard on top of each one that could just chuck magic around. Yeah. That's super broken. <laughs> and each one, each one can knock down castle gates, you know, like can... You know, yeah, it's basically a battering unfair. ram as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the doom stacks are, are a lot of fun, definitely. Um, well, let's see here. Let's let's advance here to races and factions. Uh, we did touch on them earlier, um, but there there's quite a few. Uh, you know, you mentioned Empire Bretonia, High Elves, Dark Elves, Wood Elves, Orcs or Goblins. They, they're collectively green skins. Mm. Uh, vampire Counts. Vampire Coast, uh, Tomb Kings, Skaven, Lizardmen. Um, am I leaving anybody out? That's pretty much it. Uh, all of these, like we said. Oh, Beastmen and Chaos. Oh, there you go. Yeah, Warriors of Chaos. Yeah. Um, yeah, these are all introduced. Like the base Warhammer 2 only comes with the four. Um, High Elves, Dark Elves, Skaven, and Lizardmen. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, if you combine the two games, you get access to all of them. Uh, and yeah, each one is very diverse. Like even, you know, ones that should seem on paper, like Vampire Counts and Vampire Coast. It's it's not a huge difference, but like Vampire Coast are much more like uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, cursed. <laughs> yes. Yeah, cursed pirates kind of thing. And, you know, they have all kinds of huge crabs and stuff as their monsters. <laughs> and then, like you said, uh, Tomb Kings are a whole other thing. They're like an ancient Egypt faction. Um, yeah, and they even like play, like their and... skeletons play completely different 
than the skeletons of the vampire counts. Yeah, so there's like a lot of variety there. Um, and I, I find it so hard to stick with one. Like I'm a chronic, I'll just start a campaign, play oh, 30, man. 40 turns and start a new one. Yeah, that's hard. <laughs> it is. That is it's hard. A, that's my cross to bear. <laughs> <laughs> it is difficult. I think, yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head where the differences between the factions is part of the depth of the game too. It'd be mm. really unfortunate with so many factions if so many of them played identically. Um, yeah. But I think you've got enough um, kind of like really lore-based microsystems built into each faction for the campaign mode uh, or for the overworld, the the strategy mode, um, that there's plenty of diversity there. And then the way that they play tactically in battle can be very different as well. So, um, you know, just to like make a point on that, like with Lizardmen, with a by far play the most of this game with um i played pretty much exactly like how i played lizardmen in the 90s on a tabletop which is exciting uh they don't have a ton of amazing artillery or ranged attacks um but they have access to pretty great skirmishing units uh mm. they don't have great cavalry either they just they have some some skirmishing units they have a great you know front line that you can set up and then they have tons of monsters, tons of dinosaurs. Yeah. Um, so you could really just kind of go nuts with that. Uh, and I was able to play, yeah, pretty much exactly like I expected Lizardman to play. But then I go and play as, um, like, who did I jump to after that? I think I jumped from them to Wood Elves. Completely different. Yeah, Completely very different. little, very little melee, huge focus on ranged, like archery. Yeah, and staying out of battles and playing, you know, hit and run attacks and and trying to shy away from confrontation. Uh, tremendous range. Took me forever, and that's still a problem that I have. I like to jump between factions, but yeah. my brain don't doesn't do it. <laughs> so, like, if I'm thinking like a Tomb King, I have to just stay with Tomb Kings. I can't jump from them to Greenskins. I tried, and I'm like, what am I doing, you know? There is a there's an aesthetic part of it too. Like, yeah, I don't like to be green skins just because all their stuff looks like run down and haggard. <laughs> you know, like that's <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I I don't feel that about uh, green skins as well. I don't like how they look all kind of raggedy, run down. Uh, you just reminded me the other thing with lizardmen. Like they, again, if just take one thing away, it's how much work goes into each faction. Like they have a mechanic where those Saurus warriors, like once they're in combat and their blood gets up, like they, you lose control of them and yeah. you can't give them, they'll just they'll like just rampage. Savage, yeah. And yeah, it's awesome. Rampage. But, but it's like, that's something you've got to deal with, with them. And then like with the Skaven, they have massive units, like huge, huge quantity over quality, but they'll break really easily. So they're always running away and you've got to constantly like rally them and get them back into the fight. And it's like, yeah, it's just such a different experience to play each different faction. Definitely. Who was your first pick in in uh, Total War Two? Uh it was it was High Elves. Um, okay. But then I stopped because I didn't really like um, the way the the map works for them. Like their their home island is kind of interesting. There's like I don't know. I'm a I'm a weird guy. Like I kind of struggle with um 
you know, like, so the way a Total War game will work is you'll have your faction. You basically spend the first few turns, like, securing an area. Uh, with High Elves, you're like, in the lore, these are like these long-lived beings. They have a low birth rate. But here you are, you're like slaughtering them to like get their territory. And it just felt like, <laughs> it feels really weird. You're like, these people would not fight each other. This doesn't... And I know that's lame, but in my head, I was like, all right, that's kind of weird. And then... Yeah. Honestly, I mean, probably... some of them are jerks, you know, like they just yeah. go around like <laughs> <Yeah>. murdering each <laughs> other. <laughs> That's just like a weird um, disassociation thing, I think. Yeah. But a lot of time with Lizardmen too. Um, I wanted to like Skaven more than I do. Again, they're just—it's not really my style. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. That I'd—I'd I'd prefer like a smaller. Again, high elves are kind of on paper where I'd rather be like high quality, smaller armies. Yeah, um, yeah, very elite, uh, but expensive too. That's the trade-off. So you'd probably have to pick. Uh, so I tried dabbling with with high elves. I think Alariel is interesting. Yeah, um, in that it's she seems like she was very politics focused. So trying to confederate with the other high elves rather than mowing over them, and then probably work for me. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Interesting um, to note, um, she wasn't. Mm-hmm. She was added much later. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. So that. like, this game has had so many new lords added, and of course, I bought every single DLC. And yeah, the never, DLC <laughs> never went back and played it all, but uh, it's all waiting. <laughs> yeah, it's there, it's there. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of options. So who would you say is your top three? Uh, who are your top three favorite factions in this game? Of all of them, or just Warhammer uh, Two? You could say of of Warhammer 2 combined with Warhammer 1. Okay, yeah, so not the Warhammer 3. I think it's probably got to be Empire, just because they're a little bit boring, but it's who I played in the tabletop. Um, they're the human, I guess the most, the largest human faction. They sort of have a cool mix of, um, you know, heavy cavalry with knights, but they also have gunpowder. They have, like, cannons. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like a focus on... Yeah, like halberds and spears. Uh, I like them. That's probably number one. Uh, well, it's a tough one to put them in some kind of order. <laughs> I, I like Dark Elves. They've got mm-hmm. a really cool play style, like really hard and fast. They have this like slave mechanic, so you want to like try and capture, like leave enemies alive at the end of a battle. That's how they sort of fuel their economy. Um... It, dwarves are really cool too. Um, very slow, very heavily armored. They have like cannon and gunpowder too. Very defensive, uh, and they're pretty awesome. But they're yeah, they don't get a lot of love because they were in the first game. Uh, they're probably due for a rework when they're introduced to Warhammer Three. People must just we sound like insane people jumping between these three <laughs> these three games. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot there's a lot yeah um you know i really wanted to like dwarves i i've barely tried them though um i need to go back and try them again they've got that grudge mechanic i just really because i played kind of defensively as lizardmen um yeah. you could really kind of do that just wait until they they you know you're, they come at you and mow them over um except the big differences in the ranged and artillery capabilities 
Um, I really love artillery in this game and I really love playing defensively. So you'd think I would love dwarves and maybe I just haven't found that one dwarf Lord that speaks to me yet. Um, that said, my three are Lizardmen, of course, uh, Dark Elves. So we have yep. that in, in common, Kale. I really did think that, yeah, they've got uh, some monstrous units. They've got some dragons of uh, the Hydra. Um, they've got some really cool, you know, artillery and, and range. Like shades are really cool. Um, and uh, yeah, and then they've, they've got some cool hero characters, you know, like uh, Marathi is the one that I beat uh, Vortex with um malekith has like that amazing yeah like super darth vader voice going on yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's a lot of coolness there um and then my third is the wood elves yeah so okay when i was when i initially bought this and combined everything and bought some dlc um the only thing that avail that was available for the wood elves were the sisters of twilight um which is an interesting lord in that you've got two sisters with ranged weapons on top of a giant eagle leading your army. But I revisited Total War recently this week and the week before, and they've added Orion. And I think Orion was added more recently. I didn't notice him before. Um, but there's there's more wood elves to check out. So I might I might revisit them again. Um so much elves in my in my three. But uh, yeah, I really loved the way that Wood Elves played. Just having like rangers that could shoot way further than everybody else. Uh, you could kind of just hide out and be a jerk and never, <laughs> never have to fight anybody, uh, which felt nice. But they're, the way that their constructions work and the way that they work mechanically on the, on the strategy side is very kind of off-putting at first, I think. Yeah, I, I, I hate to fight them. They're like a, yeah. they're so rough to fight because yeah, you're just getting pelted with arrows from all yeah. directions and yeah. it's like you gotta be fast, but then they're fast. Uh you gotta have range, and if you don't have range, well you're out of luck. And this but, is yeah, like they're pretty rough. So much of this game is positioning where like you'll need to line up your ranged units with fields of fire where they can find targets, but then the way they play with that with wood elves is they can fire while they're moving, some of them. Yeah. In in yeah. three 360 degrees so like yeah that's messed yeah up. <laughs> a really good player will make your life really painful with what else yeah <laughs> yeah they've got some stag cavalry uh they can fire in any direction and they're fast so just get them over by you know ranged characters that have to pivot to find your their line of fire and they'll just pivot in place until they're dead because <laughs> you just run in circles around them uh, yeah there's some crazy stuff for sure <laughs> so i had put out to the community guess my top three nobody did it this week people came close uh, a lot of people said lizardman that was a gimme a couple of people said dark elves i think one person said wood elf um so close uh but nobody guessed it this week let's uh let's tidy up here with uh with warhammer 3 and we've mentioned a couple other total war titles in the past uh other warhammer titles to uh there are apparently over 100 games workshop games uh out there in the world a lot L lng frank fortune said man it's really a mixed bag when it comes to warhammer video games the total war games are awesome some of the 40k stuff is great too then there's like the mobile stuff they port to pc 
Uh, Info Sprinkles also commented the old Chaos Gate got me into strategy games on PC. I just love that game to this day. Uh, I played a couple of the old uh, Warhammer games. Uh, Shadow of the Horned Rat comes to mind. Um, Chaos Gate sounds familiar. I'm not sure that I've played it. Have you played many other Warhammer games? Well, I was going to say, I think um, for you especially, Moses, uh, the game I would recommend, I reviewed it for Twinfinite. It's called, uh, it's got a great name, Warhammer 40,000 Chaos Gate Demon Hunters. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> this this is like the latest. Um, it's a strategy RPG. It's more like a, almost like an XCOM. Okay. I, I guess you could say, but it's awesome. It's like, yeah, the best 40k game I've ever played. Uh, loved it. Loved it. Uh, nice. Actually, got to get back to that too. <laughs> didn't, nice. Yeah, didn't quite do everything in it. Uh, now tell me the the good news. Are the Tyranids in it? The Tyranids aren't in it, but oh. interestingly, you uh-huh. are the Grey Knights who are a specific space. Grey brain. Knights are pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, and the enemy is Nurgle, which is okay. kind of fun. Like normally it's going to be you know corn or whatever, but they do cool stuff with it, and you fight like really big enemies. But the squad management is really cool. Like yeah, you individually equip each marine and graphics are awesome it's a really good game nice i'm really looking forward to uh space marine 2 coming out um i think that's this year isn't it i think so i actually i never played the first one i didn't either but i tell you what (laughs) well i'll tell you what when i saw the trailer for space marine 2 uh, where it shows, you know, the Tyranids rushing into an Imperial base yep. and just tearing face. And then the Space Marines show up and just like chainsaw, sword, hacking, termagants in half. And I was just like, okay, I'm this in. is like what <laughs> happened in my head when I played the tabletop game, you know? Yeah. Like, all those cool cinematic fight scenes. So, yeah, really looking forward to playing that one. My most anticipated would be... um. I don't know if it was announced or just teased, but that Rogue Trader, which is... Oh, yeah. Yeah, like a CRPG. That's like my my jam. I'd be so into that. Yeah. What about uh, the Dawn of War games? Have you played those? Yeah, they're, they're great too. Um, they kind of fell off. Uh, it was like the first and second one were really good. The third one was a little bit average, but really good RTSs. Yeah, they do a good job. It's I think um, people always ask, like, you know, when are we getting a 40K total war game i don't think it translates really uh mm. i mean it could work there's like you know napoleon where it's like really gun-based gameplay but there really is a focus on well oh, but there's melee in 40k too so maybe i'm wrong yeah <laughs> it's hard to say i mean c fonks as i still want my total war warhammer 40k um and i yeah i would love to see that too it is harder to think about because yeah there's a there's a huge emphasis on range but man, and then too, I, I feel like, like geographically, how do, how do you, like, do you put everybody on one planet? They'd Why have is to, every single faction on one planet? Yeah, yeah, they'd have to. I guess that's what um, Dawn of War had to do as well. It was like, you know, a planet that is being invaded by orcs. So the humans are there, but oh, Tyranids have popped out as well. Like it's, they come up with a reason to get them all together. <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, like, I could see you having, like, a galactic map and you controlling provinces in space and, you know, sectors 
and moons and things like that, asteroid belts, nebula. Um, they, they could figure it out. I would love to see Creative Assembly tackle it. Maybe they will. Um, but yeah, that's a that's a high on my wish list. Yeah, for sure. I'd play it. Like, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I'd play the hell out. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, while we're on 40K, there's a question here from Datum. How does the Warhammer timeline, quote unquote, fit together, if at all? Fantasy, 40K, etc. Um, My understanding is it doesn't, but they're very clearly like, um, you know, you they're, they're like analogs of each other. So, you know, in the fantasy, you have the high elves. In 40K, you have the elder. You have the dark elves. You have the dark elder. Orcs are in both. I don't believe it's like a continuous timeline, though. I was trying to read up on it because, um, again, you're talking about 30 years of lore here. It's not in, it's not really an easy question. Evidently, uh, according to a couple of the sources that I spotted, um, initially they were intended to be the same universe. Okay. So there was Warhammer Fantasy Battle. And then 40,000 years from then, there was the... Uh, there was the uh, the 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 future, the sci-fi battles, and they'd connected some things with the old ones that created the fan the Warhammer Fantasy world. Oh yeah, uh, with chaos. Um, they'd also connected a few things, um, uh, a few like minor races actually connected. Um, I feel like that's more compelling than keeping them separate. But then at the same time, from a storytelling perspective, it's too complicated to try and keep them connected. Yeah, um, and I, I suppose that span of time is so vast that it's not like, you know, you really have any continuity. Yeah, I mean, you might have, there's very, that's true. There's so few things that you could really tie back together. Like you could say, okay, the Imperium of Man was is the like empire. the original empire. Yeah. And you could say like, you know, the chaos gods have always been there. And like the Eldar are the high elves, you know, that just learned how to be spacefaring races. Um, the old ones. And cause I think it's with the Necrons in Warhammer 40 K the super nerdy. Um, I love that the Necrons. The, <laughs> yeah. That the C tan and the old ones actually fought each other. Right. Okay. Yeah. So you've got that connection. I always, this was my head cannon here. Uh, you might want to sit down for this. <laughs> um, in Warhammer Fantasy Battle, right, the old ones were kind of these alien gods that created the life. They created the lizard men initially, then they created all these other things, high elves and stuff like that. And then they accidentally blew up the planet with magic. The chaos gates opened and they disappeared. Um, now, my head cannon is they disappeared by via teleportation or fleeing um outside of the known universe into into darkness and the old ones were all about biological experimentation so they eventually created either the race or they eventually created out of themselves or out of something else uh what became the tyranids which is kind of that perfect organism xenomorph race of just like finely tuned biological killing machines uh, this this massive organism, and that is kind of the final legacy or what happened to the old ones. Um, I don't think that's accurate based on what I've read of Necron lore, um, that the C-10 actually killed the last of the old ones. Um, but again, <laughs> it's, it's 30 you know, years it's, of lore. It's actually pretty good, though, because in my head I was like, well, 
how did if the high elves and you know the dark elves live here they're like right here how did they get out into space but that kind of covers it like yeah maybe they created more because the they were created as like servant races weren't they like the lizard men right with the protectors Something and, like that yeah, yeah. uh yeah, no, I, I kind of I buy into it. <laughs> okay, I'll buy uh, it. Sign yeah. me up, <laughs> Games Workshop. If you're hiring, um, <laughs> I I think that too with so much lore and now again Age of Sigmar, there's certainly stuff that's retconned too, and that's going to continue to happen as they continue to play around with these characters and these factions and races and universes. Um, but to answer his question, yeah, I don't think that there is a timeline anymore that connects them together. Oh, here's something that we need to do before we tidy up something, a, a new segment that I'm trying on the show called caption this. All right. So caption this best caption gets read aloud on next mage cast. You got the picture? Yes. Yeah, so this appears to be uh Malekith of the dark elves leading the black guard. He has uh, front and center, the witch elves who are scantily clad elf ladies who do blood sacrifice stuff for anyone listening there you go. <laughs> that's what we're looking you've got you've got a, a hydra in the background there's lightning it's a great image oh it's great it really is yeah <laughs> that's wonderful so uh there's a lot of really fun answers uh in here you should read through the thread sometime there's some there's some fun stuff in there uh, but the winner i picked was uh sakura watame congratulations uh the comment was the Karens have returned. They want a refund, <laughs> which love it. made love me it. chuckle. I don't know. Do you use the term Karens over there? We do. Yeah. It's, it's Oh, you do. Okay. The funny thing about Australia is like, we know so much about America. Like we just, you know, like I follow American politics very closely. Like it's very weird where people are like, Oh, do you know about this thing? We're like, no, no, we do. We just, we are force fed culture but then but then we'll turn around and be like oh you know like this place in sydney and americans be like what (laughs) like yeah no americans don't know anything about anywhere outside of america (laughs) yeah it's uh it's very interesting because all we that's funny all we the culture is so strong the cultural export is so powerful that it's uh it's all we talk about but yeah we that is funny that's delight. I'm, you know, I'm a bit disappointed that Australia doesn't have its own term for Karens because you guys have so much, so many incredible versions of terms for things. Like I remember watching, uh, uh, watching uh, a YouTube channel. It was one of those like dudes doing crazy things kind of things, you know. They're like, "Why am I watching this? Why are these guys so popular?" And they're just like dropping water balloons off a tower, yeah. You know, and it's like a hundred million <laughs> views. I'm like. Well, why am I watching this? Because it's entertaining. Uh, and they're like, we're about to drop this pepper off this tower. And like, what the heck's a pepper? Why do Americans call it a pepper? And I'm like, what do you guys call it? And they're like, call it like, yeah. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> like, is, what the? Yeah. <laughs> it is funny. Those things that just don't, don't translate for some reason. Like, yeah, I would, I, I've had the exact opposite of that. I guess that's the beauty of it is like, what's a pepper? What are you talking about? Like, we yeah, don't, we don't know it funny. as anything else. It's it's a capsicum. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That is funny. Yeah. And then, I mean, that's happened to me multiple times in my life too. Coming from Hawaii to the mainland, there are there are different terms that people use for things. Um, in, in Hawaii, you know, flip-flops are very popular in the mainland. Um, 
we used to just call them slippers in, slippers. in Hawaiian. Slippers. Well, of course, um, of course, we call them uh, thongs. Thongs. I was going to say, which, which has a different yes. uh, connotation as well. Right. That's more like the witch elves sort of thing. That's they, what they're yeah, wearing. The yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's great. Well, Kale, I appreciate your good humor here and and your good natured discussion. Uh, especially even on on accents, you know, it's funny talking to people internationally is has been a real delight on this podcast over the past several years, uh, and it's always fun to talk about cultural stuff. I never know if somebody's going to get offended, so you know. <laughs> Again, and as we discussed, I'm qualified to make sweeping general statements about my countrymen. <laughs> Australians are pretty laid back and cool; like they don't really. Again, at least in my experience, like we don't care. We're just happy to be noticed. Like we just—that's funny. <laughs> we just want to be remembered. That's all. It's yeah. number one Australian podcast. Number one. That's there right. It is. PlayStation podcast. So hey, uh, play us out, sir. Uh, where can our listeners find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Kale Adam. That's K H A Y L A D A M. That's just my name. Uh, yeah, as you said. Uh, Long Live Play is my Australian PlayStation podcast. It's good fun. We do that every week. Um, and yeah, check out Push Square uh, for PlayStation news. I write news there all week long and Twinfinite.net where I'll write some features, guides, and reviews. And uh, yes, that's it. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I'm sure there's more, but you know. Oh, that's the, I, yeah. the fun stuff anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, man, it's been, it's great talking to you. It's it's fun uh, to to talk with somebody for the first time, and then to just talk about different kinds of games. Uh, there was a point in time where somebody was like, "So, do you only do RPGs?" I'm like, "No, no, <laughs> I'll do whatever. I'll do whatever. I'll do whatever." But I mostly do RPGs. So, yeah, there's RPG elements in this game. Yeah, it's probably technically an RPG. Um, but this is this game's a lot different than a lot of the games that we cover and that was really exciting to talk about i think yeah i think it went well i like when we initially talked about it i was like this is going to be an interesting yeah thing to cover because it's so broad and so unstructured but i think we did a pretty good job yeah so my friends if you're still listening i really hope you try this game um and if you you know you heard a bunch of people on this show chiming in uh, if you want to chime in sometime and ask a question or share a comment to get a mention on the show, keep an eye out on my Twitter at the Wellbred Mage, where I announce topics for each Magecast episode in advance. You can also email me at the Mage at gmail.com. Send me memes. I don't I don't care. I don't have anything else. Going. Uh, but Kale, we will talk to you next time. Take care. Good night, everybody. Goodbye. Or good morning if you're on that side. Uh, of yeah, the world, it's right? 1030 yeah. in the morning. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. I know this was a game that not many of you out there have played, but I hope it's a conversation that you enjoyed nonetheless. And if you did, here's what you can do next. Try browsing our library and check out another episode. You may find one of your favorite games. You could leave a review or rating on your app of choice, which would really help the show out. You could visit Patreon if you want to financially support my multi-concept work across the internet, which includes this podcast as well as a website. Finally, how about joining our Discord community? There's links for you in the description. The conversation really continues there. This episode may be over, but the legend will live on. Passed down by the dwarves, the elves, 
and the dragons. <laughs>